Episode 7. I want to call this episode Isolation. This one's about coming out of the hospital, um, reintegrating back into society. That's not real. That's not real. What happened was I went from a very busy environment, um, nurses, doctors, machines going off every four hours, and then if you're sick, it's every hour for them to come around and do your blood pressure, take your temperature. You've got um, families on on the on the ward. You've got patients on the ward. Um, I was about to say wing, as though it was a prison. <laughs> so yeah, it was just going from one extreme to radio silence, the other. Um, when I came out of hospital, the situation at home was the house my dad was renovating was now pretty much completed. He had separated, taken a massive loan out to separate this house into three flats um, in order to sell two of the flats and keep one for us, me, my younger brother, and my two parents. It was like the younger, the, uh, sorry, the lower apartment he had built had three bedrooms, one for me, one for my younger brother, and one for my parents. Um, and it seemed seemed as though it was kind of working out, but the pressure was still on. He had to pay back a massive bridge loan, which is basically a corporate loan. And it was almost a month before if I remember correctly, maybe a few months, two, three months before he had to pay it back. Um, otherwise, there'd be a lot of interest on top every single month. If I'm not mistaken, it's maybe oversharing, but it was a million pound loan with 30 grand interest on top every single month. He didn't pay it back after a year. So to put that into context, that's a lot of pressure the plan was to sell two of the flats to cover that loan which was taken out to pay off the mortgage and pay off all these um building costs to make it so he had some sort of plan in his mind but obviously a lot of pressure for him to go through let alone his family who are also living and going through that uh with him um, but besides from that, me, I was past the heavy round of chemo. I was just taking pills every night, um, taking my bloods once a week and doing a round of chemotherapy, a light round of chemotherapy once a month, um, which would be like a day thing. I'd be in the hospital for a day and I'd leave. This time it was actually that case. Um, but the stint, the stint of leaving hospital and facing myself, I was still very hard to look at, um, very, very depressed. And I remember, I remember looking at my phone and just thinking, you know, it would go weeks without anyone messaging me, without anyone checking up on me. And that was something that took me a while to to get over 
I think everyone's living their own lives. You need to recognize that. You need to come to, in fact, you need to be the bigger person. If we're all going through it, you need to be the bigger person and message someone and ask how they're doing. That's how I tackle that feeling. Um, and gradually just build up relationships again. Um, yeah, this was the, the conversations I was having to myself. <clears throat> um, I had basically started going for walks, started doing squats in the park, um, building up my endurance, my strength, and fairly, I think a month or maybe two months after coming out of the hospital, I went to see a few of my close friends. One of my close friends um, had come to visit me when I was in the hospital, when I was in ICU. So it was very close to me at that time. And he had basically told me about, um, about my ex-girlfriend, how she had slept with someone else and clearly moved on very quickly. Um, but that hurt a lot. It really did hurt a lot. Um, but I just stomached it. I stomached it and I'm very proud of myself for being able to internalize that, not lash out, not do anything out of character, um, use that as strength, um, use that, convert that into energy and put it into myself, which was pretty much just regaining my strength, physical strength. Um, I, I was basically in complete isolation. Um, and I'd done, I'd done that to myself, you know, going into the hospital, kind of burning most of my bridges, um, with my girlfriend at the time, with my friends, pushing everyone away. I'd, I'd almost set myself up for that environment I'd now gone back to. But I was also in a very, I was a very different person. I still didn't recognize myself. It's as though this is where my faith, my strength, my resilience really was tested and built over this duration. It's as though you've shaved your head and you know with time your hair is going to grow back. Um, having that faith and knowing I'm not good right now, things aren't my way, I have no one around me, but look after yourself, put in the work, be consistent. Um, and set yourself up, carry the torch forward for Ryan at 19, 20, 21. And the same thing at 2021, 20, carry it forward for Ryan at 24, 25. Hopefully that's that's just my, um, my go-to mind frame for when things aren't going well or when I'm, I'm living through difficulties. Con continuously showing up for the next version of myself, putting myself in a better situation in the future because of the work I'm doing right now and I think being able to develop the ability to go to work and to really tunnel vision when things are going bad has become a strength of mine actually when things aren't going well for me um, yeah being able to put my head down and just be productive in my own right um, isn't an easy thing and I had plenty of very very hard days but pushing through that and setting a benchmark which I'll come back to actually uh, this benchmark was 
something I created when I was doing Taekwondo as a kid. Um, I remember having a red belt test and we had to do 50 press ups consecutively. And apart from one kid who was able to do it, the rest of us failed miserably. I think I could barely get 20. And then after 20, I was just finished. And this, the instructor or the person taking the test just kept on going. And that feeling was tough. It was failure outright. Um, and since then I was doing press ups every night. I'd start on two, maybe build up to five and then gradually, gradually get better. But every single night I would do it before going to sleep. When the hospital came about, that was not thinking about that at all. Um, and then post the hospital, I got my pick line taken out. So it's a line that goes on your inner arm from your bicep all the way up into your shoulder and down into your chest. And it's an easy access um, like catheter. They can just quickly and easily plug things into it. So I had two wires essentially hanging out of my arm. And they recommend you don't do exercise because it can dislodge those wires that are coming out. Um, so I got that taken out and then started doing press-ups on the kitchen kitchen counter. Um, they were quite, e quite easy because it was an elevated surface. And then from there, I built it up to doing press-ups on my knees. And then, as you can imagine, that's quite hard in itself for someone who was literally skin and bone. Um, and then I built that up to doing an actual press-up. So now 24, then I was 17, 18. Now I can do my benchmark, which is on my worst day when I don't feel like doing it, I can do 50 consecutively. And I've built that benchmark up and it's taken a long time, but I've built that up. So 50 is on my worst day. And on my best day, I've hit, I hit 60 last night, but I can hit 65. Um, I don't want to lie and say 70, but I'm fairly confident I'll give it a go tonight and update you on the next one. Um, but it's about consistency. That's, that's a massive lesson in itself. It's not about maxing out every night because some nights you don't want to do it at all. But that's when you hit your benchmark. On my worst day, I hit my benchmark, which is still 50 press-ups a night. And that has been built up over literally day after day after day after day um, and I need that habit to flow through into other aspects of my life but this is one habit that I've been very strict on and I've managed to stick with it um, but yeah a lot of lessons I've, I've taken from that um, I want to talk about the isolation I was going through at the time um, yeah I'd be lying if if what my friend had told me and that definitely played on my mind a lot it did and it helped me in many regards at the time it was so painful but transferring that pain into looking after myself and not lashing out and controlling myself I think built uh, very strong values and it was just about doing the right thing. 
and using that anger and that it was as though the world I I wanted the world to have paused with me and then resumed as I got out but that was a reminder that life had moved on very much so moved on um, a lot like until it's as though you've gone to sleep for nine months and you've woken up and you're shocked at everything that's happened like how could so much have happened um, my friends were 16, 17 at the time now they were 17, 18 and it, is, it was as though they went from kids to young adults it was a complete change in those guys it was almost hard to um, yeah it was hard to really get along with them just because of how different I felt they were from the previous versions of themselves um, but I I consciously separated myself isolated myself I thought that was the right thing to do in hindsight it was probably the comfortable thing to do and maybe it wasn't wrong for me to have done that during that period but I'll talk about later podcasts about going back into that and actually using that as a comfort zone more than a necessary thing for me to have done um but from from that experience i set a target to get myself back into education um because i was taking chemotherapy every night the maintenance pills kept my uh, blood count levels between a certain range range and it kept my immune system quite suppressed so i couldn't go to gigs or concerts or college or busy areas but I could go for walks maybe go to a shop or go to the library um, which is what I did that's basically what I did for a year and a half 17, 18, I think two years almost two years um, so I had worked to basically sit my A-levels um, externally so I worked and I went to the library consistently, pretty much treated that as school, uh, Monday to Friday. And then I literally learned everything I could in the book. I did all the past papers, um, applied to do my exams as an external student, excuse me, external student. Um, and I got, I got B's, I got, I got a B and a C in two of my exams and I got a D and an E in another one of my exams. Um, so then I was, I was stuck with the option, faced with the option of either retaking that year along with A2. We have to do AS and A2 to get into university. Um, or do a foundation year. So... Um, that's what I did that's what I did I basically uh, advertised myself as a teenage cancer cancer ward um, charity case and that was all I had my grades were piss poor um, and for a lot of these places they needed you to apply well in advance which I hadn't have done or they needed some sort of grades in order for you to be accepted into the more prestigious schools um 
and then cue the University of the West of England. I, ca- I called up during clearing, gave them this whole speech, and this lady over the phone was just no no barriers to entry at all. She was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, which probably was... I mean, that was everything to me. That was the start of... Like, I was, I was accepted somewhere. I was back in almost back in the club uh, a second a second opportunity to to prove myself and get back onto a degree um in bristol so i had to transfer hospitals to the one in bristol for a year for my last year which was quite quite easy um it was just weekly bloods and once once a month so that was that was all okay and then actually finding accommodation and regaining my independence um which is was a massive massive step um but i should mention halfway through um that period of studying by myself we had sold the entire house i think it was a month before the loan was coming to an end. Someone had made an offer for the entire thing. And this was just before um, Brexit was happening. So really, this person should have waited until everything had settled. Um, <clears throat> fortunately, they didn't for us, but they wanted the entire place, which left us in a position of paying off all the loans and then having not that much money left over to now buy a house in London which was not easy. Um, fortunately, we found a place in Hillingdon, quite close to Heathrow. And it took me further away from all my friends, although I wasn't seeing them at the time. This was uh, kind of forced my hand and made it even harder, which I was actually fine with. I was fine with. Um, but fortunately there was a massive field um, right next to my house which I'd go for long walks pull ups on the on the goalposts and and runs and and that was a safe haven for me Um, I definitely want to talk about that duration a lot more probably with guests um, in the future I'll, I'll always come back to this because that time in my life, that focus and converting all those feelings I had and misery into productivity and going after something was, to be very honest, that was so pure and character building. Um, and I'm so grateful to that version of myself. You know, I'm, it's because of him that I got myself to that next place and as tough as it was back then how much strength I I respect myself for having the strength to get myself through that and actually build all these qualities um, as well as achieving the actual target building all these qualities in that process Um, hindsight is a funny thing But yeah, I think we're approaching the 20-minute mark. I hope that wasn't too clustered and up and down. I tried to give it a bit of structure, but 
honestly didn't know how to approach this episode. Um, yeah, until the next one.